Welcome to our new micro podcast series, where authors answer four questions provided by the Journal of Neurophysiology's Editor-in-Chief, Professor Nino Ramirez. Hi, I'm Jamie Jones, your host, and I hope you enjoy this new series. Sit back, relax, and take a listen. Hi, I'm Jim Khan, and I'm a postdoctoral researcher at the Natural Sounds and Neurocoding Laboratory in Boston University. I'm here to discuss the paper, A Robust and Compact Population Code for Competing Sounds in Auditory Cortex, which I authored along with Dr. Kamal Sen, who is my advisor during my time as a graduate student at the university. This project was a result of collaboration between experimental and computational experts. For the experiments, we collaborated with Dr. Shu Han of Boston University and Dr. Howard Gritton, who is formerly a postdoc in Shu's lab and is now an assistant professor at the University of Illinois. On the computational side, we collaborated with Donner Connor Houghton, an associate professor at the University of Bristol, and his student, Jake Witter. Previously, Connor was a visiting scholar in Kamal's lab, and his work within the lab helped him transition from mathematics to neuroscience. So this paper serves as a continuation of that early collaboration. Cortical circuits encoding sensory information consists of populations of neurons. However, the mechanisms by which this information uh, is aggregated remain poorly understood. Such pooling may be particularly important in noisy settings where single neuron encoding is degraded. Uh, One such example is the cocktail party problem in which listeners are exposed to competing sounds from multiple spatial locations. Thus, we wanted to investigate how populations of neurons in the auditory cortex encode sound in such a situation. Previously, we recorded single unit activity in the auditory cortex of 14 mice. During recordings, subjects passively listened to spatially distributed mixtures of sound stimuli. Then in all trials, subjects listened to one of two target stimuli, which consisted of white noise modulated by human speech-shaped envelopes. And in certain trials, a competing masker stimulus was also played. Uh, This masker stimulus consisted of unmodulated white noise. Stimuli played from one of four spatial locations, and we call the combinations of target and masker locations as configurations. Next, we wanted to determine how neural discriminability performance, the ability to determine the target identity from a neural response, is affected not only by the presence of the masker, but also the target masker configuration. For our analysis, we applied a novel information theoretic approach to estimate the mutual information of target identity. For each configuration, we use the mutual information as a metric for a single unit's neural discriminability. The mutual information was calculated using spike train distances in contrast to approaches where spike trains are binned in time to create words of zeros and ones. The specific spike distance we used is spike distance uh, from Dr. Thomas Kreutz. This distance takes local differences in both spike timing and firing rate modulation into account, and it doesn't require the use of an additional parameter for calculations. Combined with Houghton and Witter's information approach, Uh, This pipeline did not require the use of additional parameters to bin the neural responses or spike trains in time. We then expanded our analysis to calculate the target discriminability of aggregates of single units. 
To do this, we compared two population coding schemes. The first approach is the summed population code, where responses from individual neurons are collapsed into a single response. In this approach, the identity of the neuron does not impact coding, as all individual neurons are collapsed into one response. The second approach is the labeled line code, which does preserve individual neuron identity. We applied the labeled line code by concatenating the single unit responses along the time axis, uh, thereby creating a multi-dimensional feature vector. In both approaches, we found that a small subset of neurons was sufficient to reach optimal mutual information over different spatial configurations. Across all configurations, we found that the labeled line code improved discriminability from single unit values, while discriminability in the sum population approach was already optimal at the single unit level. Uh, for the sum population code, this meant that collapsing individual responses from single units into one aggregate response actually yielded worse discriminability in some cases. Most notably, we found that the labeled line code approached mutual information values similar to those in clean trials where no masker was present. Finally, mutual information in the labeled line code was found to increase with spatial separation between the target and the masker, which aligns with behavioral studies on the effects of spatial release from masking in both humans and animals. Thus, we concluded that the labeled line coding scheme provides a compact population code that is robust to noise within a complex auditory scene. The next steps for the results in this paper is to uncover how activity from inhibitory subpopulations contribute to population coding. The recordings from the study also feature trials uh, which involve the optogenetic suppression of inhibitory parvalbumin expressing interneurons. And recently, uh, Dr. Gritton and his lab have done experiments using the same cocktail party paradigm in which inhibitory somatostatin expressing interneurons were suppressed. We plan to use the methods presented in this study to compare how optogenetic suppression of each interneuron type affects population coding during complex scene analysis. Finally, uh, the same methods can be used beyond aggregation of sensory information. Uh, they can also be used to determine how populations of neurons encode for other cognitive functions, such as decision-making and the like. Thank you for listening. This podcast was brought to you by the Journal of Neurophysiology and produced by me, Jamie Jones. If you would like to hear our latest episodes, please visit the Journal of Neurophysiology's homepage.